0: Copy of God's word. Won't you find the book of First Thessalonians, chapter five? We are continuing our verse by verse study through this little letter called First Thessalonians. If you're new to the Bible, all the Ts are together in the second half of your Bible or the New Testament, and so you can kind of find your way there. And if you're just now joining us, we also post our notes online as well. There's a Bible app called the YouVersion Bible App, it's the most common Bible app that you can download. You may maybe already have it on your phone, and you can go down to the bottom right hand corner, and uh, you'll see a button that says More, and then you'll see events, and then you can see uh, where we're posting our our notes for tonight. We're going to have lots of different points and lots of different things that we're going to look at from God's words. That may even be a better way for you to follow along tonight. Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving week last week. Hope you come in here just bellies full. And I don't know about you, but I love some pecan pie. That's my favorite type of pie to eat at Thanksgiving. And man, we had a good time. Me and my crew, we went back down to Texas. My mom, she recently bought about 10 acres down in Texas. And so I started talking to her about like, hey, mom, Uh, Are you cool if I go hunting out on your property? I don't know if you're a hunter or not, but it's good for me, it's good for my soul, and and I've killed a lot of time out in the woods, and so it's really, really good. Anyway, so I go down there, and I get to hunt a little bit, but we're spending the holiday with my wife's side of the family, so I only have like a short window where I can hunt, and so I get to do that, and then we go spend it with my wife's side of the family, and I'm starting to try to figure out, like, how can I ease back over to my mom's place and get one more time in the woods? Well, I have a nephew on my wife's side, and I start like talking it up to him. I'm like, hey, bro. Hey, what if, you know, what if you and me, we go out into the woods and we slaughter some things, you know, and, uh, and he's like, yes, yes. He's eight years old. You know, I'm like, well, paint our faces and our chests. It'll be awesome. You know, anyway, so I convinced him and we, we concoct this plan. We're going to go hunting. And I don't know if you've ever been hunting with, with a, a small child before, but, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, man, this could go really good or man, we're just going to blow everything up and it's not going to be that good. But we, we decide to go get out there and, and here's a picture of us right here. You can see us. Look at us. It's vicious, right? Yes. Now, uh, we didn't kill anything but time, which I'm 100% out there. So, But that's us. We had a good time. And it was one of these things where I had to know my role and he had to know his role, all right? I'm the leader in the relationship. And so I'm like doing some research the night before, checking the wind and checking like where we're gonna sit at and, and what do we need? And I'm getting all the stuff together and I'm, I'm telling him, go get you out your hunting clothes and make sure they don't smell too good. They gotta smell kind of stinky. And so I get the dough urine. I don't know why, but I get it anyway. And I get the corn, all the stuff in Texas. And then he knows his role. Like his role is like get up at this time, and then follow my uncle. You know, which what could go wrong? Anyway, so he knows his role, I know my role. As long as we both know our role, we were able to accomplish our mission. But if we didn't know our roles, or we tried to play out of our roles, we wouldn't have been able to accomplish what we set out to accomplish. And the reason why I share that with you tonight is because when it comes to you knowing why you exist, like what your purpose is in life, you got to know this, that there's a God that he created you, knit you together in your mother's womb, and he gave you some things to do. And one of the things that he wants desperately in your life is that you would have a relationship with him and that he would call you to a mission. And once you are on that mission, you would clearly understand that there's a role that you need to play. And for some of you here tonight, you're going to play a leadership role. You're going to be a spiritual leader. For others of you here tonight, you're going to be a follower. You're going to be a spiritual follower. And for some people in the room, and for most of us, we typically will play both of those roles at some point in our life. And if we don't know the role that we're created to play, and if we don't know how to do that well, then we're not going to be able to accomplish the mission that God has for us. In this life, Now, I love that the Bible is not like um, calling us to do certain things like, you need to go be a leader, you know, or you need to go be a great follower, and it doesn't really give us some handles as to what that looks like functionally. Like, I love that the Bible doesn't just say, hey, go try really hard to do this and good luck. But the Bible's going to give us instruction or really a rubric as to what are some of the characteristics that should mark those sort of things. And tonight, we're going to talk about what good leaders look like, what good followers look like. And then what we do when we don't do those really, really well. If you're taking notes, I've titled the message tonight, Leaders, Followers, and the Unruly. Leaders, Followers, and the Unruly. Now, if you're new to the Bible, one of the greatest theologians in the New Testament is a guy named Paul. Paul wrote over three quarters of the New Testament, and he wrote this letter to a group of Christians in modern-day Greece in a town called Thessalonica. And he wrote this letter to this group of people, and he loved these people. And so like when we read the book of 1 Thessalonians, you see Paul is like hyping them up. Like he's like, man, you guys, y'all are doing the things. Man, y'all are crushing it, keep going. God has taught you some things that I didn't even teach you about how to love. Y'all are doing some great things. And then he gets a little bit nostalgic. like, remember, man, remember when we were all together? And like, and like I shared the gospel with y'all. Like, we did life together. I love you guys. And then he begins to challenge and remind them of some things that they need to continue doing in their life. He gives them a little bit of teaching about the return of Christ and the day of the Lord. And he comes to the tail end of this letter that he's written to them. And he's given them like some final instructions. And he's just rattling it off. Like, if you're a leader, do this. This is how you respect your leader. And then don't forget to do this. Don't, don't forget to do that. And he's just like blasting them with all of these things. And that's we're at in the end of First Thessalonians. Here's what it says in First Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 12. He says, We urge you, brethren. Now again, he's talking to people that have said, hey, I want to follow Jesus. So the audience that he's speaking to are people that have come to the point in their life where they've realized they need Jesus to save them from their sin. They've come to the point in their life where they wanted to admit that they weren't all that in a bag of chips. They wanted, to, they wanted to admit that I've got some issues and I've tried to fix my own issues, but then I just made more issues trying to fix my own issues. Can I get somebody to witness to that? That's my story, right? Like I tried to fix me and then I got worse, you know? And so anyway, these were the people that said, man, I, I, I'm ready to admit that I need Jesus. And then they put, they put belief on or they put their faith on. They said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my belief and my faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, and I'm going to follow him to the best of my ability. That's who Paul's talking to. So if you're here and you're just kind of checking out the claims of Christianity, you picked a good night to come because this is going to give you a picture of what Christians should do. Now, disclaimer, we don't always do what we should do. I found that I need Jesus today just as much as I needed him yesterday. Anyway, so anyway, here's what it says. He says, we urge you, brethren, this is what he tells them to do, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Let's just stop right there. We're just going to take a little bit of time and talk about it. First of all, he says this, you got to recognize these types of leaders. And so Paul's given a little bit of a profile of the type of leader or spiritual leader that's, that if you're seeking a spiritual leadership position, this is what should mark you. So point number one, if you're taking notes, you could write this down, what do spiritual leaders do? Now I want to signify each one of the types of people that we're talking about tonight by a chair. And I want to ask you, which chair are you sitting in? And some of you have come in here tonight and you are sitting in the leadership chair. And when I say you're sitting in the, in the leadership chair, I'm talking about spiritual leadership. Not that you're a, a boss at your work or that you're a manager at the office and I'm sure God could use you. And not that you have a lot of followers on social media and that you're influencing people. I'm talking about spiritual leadership specifically tonight. And if you know that you're a spiritual leader, you know that because you've qualified based upon some of the list of qualifications that are listed in the Bible and that, the, and that people around you, Christians around you, they have affirmed you and that you have been put in a position of leadership, but ultimately you've been given that place of leadership by God Almighty. And we want to talk about tonight, what are some of the things that should mark somebody that is sitting in this chair? Well, the first thing that should mark you is that you work hard. He says this right here in verse 12, he says that, that you got to recognize people who labor among you. And so you got to labor among people. Uh, this word labor, it literally means to exhibit great exertion. Listen, if you are a spiritual leader, nobody should outwork you. If you are a spiritual leader, what you're saying is that God Almighty has put you in a place of leadership. The God that that went to work six days and rested on the seventh. The God that is excellent in all that he does and that he has changed your life. If you're a spiritual leader, what you're saying is that, man, my life has been flipped, turned upside down by the God of the universe. And so you can't afford to bring laziness to the office you can't afford to bring laziness to the situation if you're a spiritual leader you should labor among the people and you should work hard and specifically the things that you should labor among when Paul's saying you've got to recognize these folks that have labored and worked hard what he's talking about the people that have been in the trenches in your life not the not the ones that can build really well not the ones that can that can work really hard with their minds but he's talking about specific labor and he's talking about the labor of God The people in your life, if you're a spiritual leader, that you've labored to help bring the wayward back in. Uh, You've labored to be patient with people that are just a little bit different and and sometimes worrisome in your life. Uh, You've labored to comfort those that are weak. Uh, You've labored to to encourage those that 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 are somewhat timid in their faith. You've labored to pray for people. You've labored to study this book. If you're a spiritual leader, then you're working hard at the things that God values the most if you're a spiritual leader and you're in this chair, you need to be someone that is marked by hard work and by laboring among the people. The second thing we see here that a spiritual leader does is that, they, that they're over you in the Lord. You see it right there in verse 12. He says that they, they labor among you and that they're over you in the Lord. This is, uh, this is a nod to the spiritual authority that is placed when somebody is a spiritual leader, that they have authority over certain people. And so what this means is that, that you've got to care for people that God has put underneath your leadership. That Paul's saying like, man, that there are people in your life that, that have authority over your life and this should be celebrated. This is something that you should embrace because God put you there. And again, the way that you know you're sitting in this chair is that you're looking at other parts of the Bible, like 1 Timothy 3, and you're seeing things like a spiritual leader should be one that's above reproach, one that's not given over to drunkenness, one that's, that's not easily angered, and there's some other things there, one that's not a recent convert, and that this person is then validated by the church but ultimately put in a place of spiritual leadership by God Almighty. And the third thing that a spiritual leader does is that they admonish faithfully. They admonish faithfully. You see right here in verse 12, it says that they were put over you in the Lord and that they were called to admonish you. Now, this word admonish is not a real common word that we use in our vernacular, but it comes from the Greek word "noutheo," which literally means to direct people towards holy living. And so when you admonish somebody, you can admonish somebody by being loud. You know, you can say, hey, 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 you're, you're headed the wrong direction, and if you keep going that way, it's not going to end well for you. But you don't have to be loud to admonish somebody. You can also just be real gentle and say, hey, man, like, I, I'm seeing how this relationship is going. Like, I, I've watched you and your girl, or I've watched you and your guy, and, uh, and I, just, I just don't think that this is headed in the right direction. And I don't think this is pleasing to God. That admonishment doesn't have to be loud. It can be quiet, but it needs to be direct. Because when you're admonishing somebody, when you're a spiritual leader, you're, you're caring for people's soul and you're admonishing them faithfully. So who are the people in your life that are directing you towards holiness? If some of you are like, man, I, I don't know if I have a spiritual leader. Well, you know if you have a spiritual leader, if you've had a recent conversation within the last month and somebody has directed you towards holiness. Holiness means that you're set apart, that you're trying to please God. So when was the last time somebody admonished you or directed you in the way that you're spending your time? When was the last time somebody admonished you or directed you in the way that you're approaching your sex life, the way that you're approaching your singleness, the way that you're approaching your attitude, the way that you're living on mission or lack thereof? How many, when was the last time somebody admonished you to share your faith? Who are your spiritual leaders? And Paul, what he's saying is, like, these are, the, these are the spiritual leaders. They should be people that labor among you, that they should be in places of spiritual authority, that they should be people that admonish you faithfully. The spiritual leader, that's the person that does these things. So when I took my nephew out hunting um, the other day, like, there were a couple of things I had to do, all right? Like, there were some, some non-negotiables that had to get done. First of all, I had to keep him safe. And if I brought him back and he was wounded, that would not be good, okay? There were a couple of other things. Like I had, to, I had to make sure that he was comfortable. You know, it was wet and it was cold. And so I had to prepare some things to make sure that he wasn't just freezing and shivering the whole time. And I had to make sure he had a good time. Those, those were some, like, non-negotiables. It didn't matter how funny I was. It didn't matter how cool I was. It didn't matter how smart I was. It didn't matter how, how, how stealth I was. If I didn't do those things, then I failed at my job, Right? And that these are the non-negotiables. There are some things that if you're gonna be in this chair, you've got to get done. It doesn't matter how effective you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much theology that you know. It doesn't matter how kind you are. It doesn't matter how whatever you are, if you don't do the things that are listed in God's word to do that should mark a spiritual leader, then you're not being the leader that God desires you to be. Leadership is not some arbitrary, you know, we just kind of make it up as we go. Leadership is not something that you just kind of, you know, I felt like leading today and I don't feel like leading today, tomorrow. You know, leadership is not this kind of willy-nilly, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm leading well, I feel like I'm doing well. and When I'm not leading well, I don't know that I'm doing so well. And, and what is well? I don't know. I just kind of make it up. You know, it's just kind of a feeling. It's a vibe thing. That's not spiritual leadership. God has gone to great lengths to preserve in his word what should mark the spiritual leader. And so let us not confuse it, because leadership is something that God takes very seriously. Paul, he's writing to a group of leaders in the book of Acts, and they were the leaders over the church at Ephesus. And here's what he says in Acts 20, 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. What he's saying is, like, if you're going to be a spiritual leader, if you're going to sit in this chair, you've got to lead yourself really, really well. Because you can't lead somebody somewhere where you're not going. And so you gotta audit yourself from time to time. One of the most persistent prayers that a spiritual leader should pray is, search me, oh God, know my heart. Test my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Allow the Holy Spirit to run a regular audit on your life. Pay careful attention to yourself, but also, note this, and to the flock of God. The people that God has entrusted to your leadership, you've gotta pay careful attention to them. He says this, you've got to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. See, the most precious thing that God has is his church and if you're a spiritual leader God has entrusted what is most precious to you this is the thing that he obtained by the blood of his son and if you are reckless or careless or or, or you are negligent about the spiritual leadership position that God has put you in then you're shown that you don't care about God that you don't care about the things that God cares about so the night before we went hunting, I was, like, talking with my, my in-laws, my brother-in-law and his wife, and I'm like, all right, so I don't know y'all's kid real well. You know what I'm saying? Like, I haven't spent a ton of time. Like, what what are, what are some things that he needs? Like, does he need food in the morning? Does he need to use the bathroom? Is he Does he fidget? I mean, what does he need? You know, I'm, like, trying to figure out because, like, they took a risk by allowing me to take their only son out into the woods. All right, that was risky, okay? Like, I'm, you know, I'm just some like random uncle, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and we're going out there with weapons and knives and in the dark and like, what's the worst going to happen, you know? And so like, they took a risk to give to me what is most precious. That's their only son. He's their namesake. If he don't make it, then we don't have, a, we don't have a, an heir, you know what I'm saying? And they gave to me what is most precious, now, if I was negligent and I, like, pushed him down, I'm like, you stay in the truck. You know, I'm going, you know, and I'm just being all kinds of crazy. And then I come back, like, they're going to be upset, rightfully so. Because they gave to me what is most precious to them. They entrusted me and to my leadership, their son. And if I don't handle that well, then that shows I don't love them. And I don't love the things or the people that they love. So if you're here tonight and you're sitting in this chair, note that that's a heavy weight of responsibility, but a good weight for you to bear. That one day you will stand before God Almighty and you will give an account for how you led the people that he loves dearly, that he gave his life for. And we should not take this chair lightly. And so Paul, he's saying, these are the things that should mark you. These are the things that should be uh, uh, evident in your life. Now, the Bible's not just a book about leadership, all right? So this isn't like, you know, 14 different tips and tricks for you to be a better leader. The Bible also speaks to those of us that are followers. And so Paul, he turns a corner and, he, and he's helping people understand how they interact with their leaders in their life. And so again, he said things like, you got to recognize people that are doing this. And then he gives some more instruction. Here's what he says in verse 13. He says that you need to esteem these leaders, He says, you need to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And then he says, be at peace among yourselves. Point number two, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down. What do spiritual followers do? What do spiritual followers do? So, again, you got to know your role. In any organization, there's leaders and there's followers. And so it shouldn't be any surprise that in the church, there's leaders and there's followers. And sometimes we can be in this chair, one cheek on this chair, one cheek on this chair. You know, sometimes we're in both places. But you got to ask yourself I think everyone in here is a follower of someone. And you got to ask yourself, what type of follower am I? And how am I in relationship to the spiritual leaders that are in my life? And the Bible, it tells us here's how you treat the spiritual leaders in your life. And here are a couple of things that it says to do. First of all, you got to recognize your leaders. Jumping back to verse 12, that's what he said, recognize those. And, and notice the urgency in Paul's writing. He says, man, we urge you to do this. This isn't like, you know, if you get around to it and if you think about it, you know, like, it maybe, you know, if, it, if you know, it's no big deal, like, no, Paul's like, you, no, you've got to do this. If you want to be a spiritual follower that pleases God, we urge you, note this, to recognize your leaders. Recognize your leaders. Now, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean you just say hi to them and is that it? The word recognize, in some translations, it also says appreciate, but the Greek word is the Greek word oida. And it literally means to know by experience. And, and what's hard in our day and age is that we, we have a lot of insta-theologians, a lot of TikTok stars that are you know, doing great things for the kingdom of God. And it's not wrong to follow people and to kind of get some supplemental teachings from people on the gram or people on TikTok or wherever you're at. And so it's, it's not wrong to do that, but, but if that's your main source of spiritual leadership that you're following, you're missing out on what God wants for you because you can't really know that person. You can't oida that person and you can't really recognize or appreciate their life. See, God wants you to have people that you're submitted to that you have proximity to as well so that you can get to know them. You can see how the sermon lives out in their life. You can see how their faith is on display with their family. That God wants you to have people in your life that you're submitted to, that you can observe their life and that you can know them by experience. So I don't know if y'all had this happen yet this year, but we had the flu break out in my household praise God. You know, and so we had the flu and like, I've been doing double duty. Y'all pray for your boy, man. I am, I am stressed because I've been playing mama and daddy and nurse. And it's just been, it's been a lot for me anyway. So what what's happened is that we were supposed to host some people on Sunday, but my wife's like, Hey, can't, you know, you don't want what we got, you know what I'm saying? And so we're supposed to host people and she had to cancel her plans, but those people start asking, well, well what's going on? Well, you know, uh, I think it's the flu. We're not real sure, but we're sick and and so today, we had a couple of people that brought some soup by the house. Isn't that awesome? I just, I just love when people, you know, when they hear about a need and they jump to action, they try to meet that need. And they, what they were doing was they were aware of some of the needs in their leader's life. And they sought to meet that need and to appreciate and to recognize their leader. And so it could be something like that, or it could just be something as simple as you saying, hey, thanks for being my spiritual leader. This is what a great spiritual follower does. The second thing that Paul says to do is you got to esteem your leaders. He says you esteem your leaders very highly in love. And what he's saying here is when you esteem somebody, it's not just something that you do, it's also something that you feel. And so if, you're, if you want to be a good spiritual follower, then you have to think good thoughts about the people that you're submitted to. I, it always kind of bothers me when I hear people complain about the leadership that, that they're under, and, and like they're always complaining, always complaining. I'm like, well, you're not being a good follower. Get under a different leader if you don't like that one. Quit complaining. And so you want to think highly of that person that you're submitted to. And he says this, you gotta, you got to esteem them very highly. That in the Greek, that's beyond measure. It feels a little awkward saying this. But Paul's saying that if you want to be a great spiritual follower, you've got to have a limitless respect for the spiritual leader that's in your life. And he says, you've gotta esteem them in love. This word love is oftentimes watered down in our culture, but it's the word agape, which literally means sacrificial love, unconditional love. And he says that you do all of this for their work. And so you're not esteeming them because like, man, I just really love that guy. I just really love his personality. He's so funny, or he's so serious, or he's so calm, or he's so intense, whatever the thing is, I just love the guy. That's not necessarily why you're esteeming that person. You're esteeming them because of God's positioning them in your life and the work that they're doing to stir you up towards holiness. And so God may have put a spiritual leader in your life and you want to be a spiritual follower, then you elevate them and you say, thank God for this person that has challenged me thank God for this person that has comforted me thank God for this person that has been patient with me thank God for this person that has prayed for me thank God for this person that has taught me the word of God thank God for this person that has counseled me and he says that you need to esteem them you need to esteem them very highly in love for their work and then the last thing that he says that you do if you're sitting in this chair and you want to be a great spiritual follower is that you, you're called to be at peace You're called to be at peace. He he says it right here in verse 13. He says, and and be at peace among yourselves. The only way that you're going to be at peace among yourselves when you're sitting in the spiritual follower seat is for you to be submitted to the leadership that's in your life. I believe you'll never be at peace internally if you're rebelling against the spiritual leaders that are in your life. Y'all remember when you were in high school and, and how hard it was to submit to, if you had good parents, even to good parents' leadership for a lot of you? And how, you know, you just had kind of that rebellious spirit for some of you and you really weren't a great follower. And you didn't have a lot of peace in that season because there was a lot of animosity in the home because you weren't submitted to the leadership that was in your life. And you won't be at peace in your life if you're not submitted to the godly leadership that's in your life. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 says this, Remember your leaders. You know, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. And think of them or think of all the good that has come from their lives. And here it is, and follow the example of their faith. What kind of follower are you? If you were leading you, would that be an enjoyable experience? I don't know about you, but I want to be a follower that's a joy to be led. But it's hard, isn't it? Like, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, I, like, I'm doubly arrogant. Here's what I mean by that. I'm an American and I'm from Texas, all right? Like, that's a double, like, that's a double whammy on the pride thing, you know? And so, like, like, there's just innate sense in me, like, when somebody tells me what to do, I'm like, you do that, you know? Like, I just have this tendency just to be, like, questioning, and oftentimes, like, no, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best way, you know? And, and like, and then I love to talk trash. You know, I don't matter what it is, you know? Like, I'll, I'll walk around like, this is you. Like, you get on here, you know? Like, whatever the game is or whatever the thing is, you know, just that natural competitiveness. And so, oftentimes, I have to be aware of my, my tendency towards arrogance and towards pride and towards rebelliousness. And I have to check myself and I have to realize that if I'm not a godly follower, then I'm gonna limit my progress. And that the greatest breakthroughs and the greatest advantages I've been given in my life is because I was gladly submitted to godly leadership in my life. What kind of follower are you tonight, paradigm? Are you, are you doing the things that are setting you up for success around the people that you're around? My wife and I, we were talking about me taking my, my little nephew uh, hunting, and she was like, well, you know, how was it? <laughs> and, uh, like, was it, like, a terrible experience? Did he totally blow everything up? I'm like, no, man, he, he did good. Like, he did everything that I asked him to do. I mean, he's an eight-year-old little boy, and he was a little bit fidgety. But for the most part, like, I told him to do this, and he did that. He listened really well. And because he was a good follower, I'll gladly take him hunting once again. But if he was bad and it was a train wreck and he was fidgeting and he did everything different than I told him, that would have been our last hunting trip together. You know what I'm saying? And that should make sense. But because he was a good follower and because he knew his role, it's going to lead to greater opportunities and more opportunities in his life. So, so what is this like practically? Like if, if, if you're here and you're like, man, I, I want to be a, a godly follower. I want to be a spiritual follower. Here's one, one thing you can do tonight. You can recognize the spiritual leaders that are even here. We have almost 100 young adults that are committed to serve, and we call them leaders because we believe that if you're serving, that is a form of leadership. And one of the things that you can do, and many of you, you know them, they wear lanyards and they're here all the time and you, and you could just go up to them because maybe you feel like, like, man, I respect that person or that person has been very kind, but you've never said anything. One of the things that you can do tonight is just recognize them and just say, Hey, thanks for serving here at paradigm and making this thing happen. Another way that you can live out this is, is that you can get involved in a local church. Like some of you are like, man, I want to be a spiritual follower, but I don't really know any spiritual leaders. And maybe maybe you are like I was several years ago, where I would just like look at people like me that have a microphone on a stage. I'd be like, "That's my spiritual leader," you know. Like, I don't know you. <laughs> You don't know me? Like, for most of you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, John Piper is my spiritual leader. Like, you don't know John Piper, you know? But I'll talk in conversation. I'm like, yeah, Piper the other day, he dropped one, you know? Like, were y'all hanging out? Like, no, I was watching him on YouTube. Like, and, and so, like, I, I think sometimes we'll think that we're following people, and we are, but we think that that's what God wants for us, and that's what's best, even though it's at a distance. Listen, I believe you can make a difference from a distance. But I think that God wants us to know spiritual leaders in proximity as well. And if you don't have people that are in your life that are spiritual leaders, man, we would love to connect you to the local church because that's where this plays out in a very organic way, in a very real way. And so you can join us by doing two things. You can go to uh, what we call leadership training, which we're going to kick off next year, or you can just get on the membership pathway at Abundant Life so that you can begin to live this thing out functionally. We don't want to just come here and read the Bible, y'all. We don't want to just come here and just kind of hear some nice tips and tricks about how the Bible plays out and never do anything about it. We want to read the Bible and then ask ourselves, is that real in my life? If you've come in here and you think that this is all about getting some tips and tricks and some different ideas about how to know God better, but you never really apply them to your life, you're missing out on the whole point of the whole thing. We've come in here to learn the Word of God so that we can apply it to our life and do what it says. And so Paul, what he does is he's like, man, this is what should mark the leaders and the followers. This is, this is how it should play out in your life. But I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're like, um, I'm really not in either one of those chairs, <laughs> you know, like I, like that's, that's not me. You know, I'm not really a spiritual leader. And, uh, if you were to rate me like on a scale of one to 10 of being a good spiritual follower, I'm like a minus one right now. You know, like I'm in that, I'm somewhere over here in the void, and is the Bible, like, does it just say these are the only two chairs? Is the Bible, like, it when I, when I mess it up, is the Bible like, well, you're out. You, you can't follow. You can't follow by all the rules. You're out. Well, sometimes it's been, in my experience, then when I'm not sitting in this chair properly that I've been ostracized by the church. Sometimes it's been in my experience when I'm not sitting in this chair the way that I'm supposed to, and, I, and I've been in a dark place, Maybe I've stumbled in my walk that I've been judged and kicked to the curb. That, that Christians are notorious for shooting their wounded. And some of you, you're here tonight for the first time in a long time that you've been in a place like this because you hit a, you hit a, a dark place in your, your journey, your spiritual journey, and, and you weren't sitting in this chair the way that you were supposed to. And, and you just got left behind or kicked to the curb. And you're trying all this thing again, and, and you're wondering, like, is this, is this what God wants? And let me just say this. If you're not in one of these two chairs, there's still grace for you. If you're not sitting in this chair the way that you're supposed to, this is not just the end of all of the things that God wants to do in your life. And the reason why I know that to be true is because of what God's Word is about to say. And here's what it says in God's Word. It's starting in Verse 14. Paul, he says this, now we exhort you, brethren. Like when he says exhort, he's like, this is a big deal. If there's been some people that are in a dark place or they've stumbled in their walk and they're not sitting in the chair the way that they're supposed to, like we exhort you, this is what you need to do with them. You need to warn those who are unruly. He says you need to comfort the faint-hearted. You need to uphold the weak. You need to be patient with all. And then he says, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down. What leaders do when followers are hard to lead? What leaders do when followers are hard to lead? And Paul, he gives us five things in these two verses that leaders are supposed to do when their followers are not gladly sitting in this chair and they find themselves in a different chair. So maybe you're not in one of those two chairs. Maybe you're in this chair tonight. And what Paul says is that you need to warn the unruly. And maybe you've come in here and, and you're, you're unruly in your life. Well, what does that mean? This is a military term, and it literally means that you're out of step. It means like uh, that you've, you've completely abandoned your post, or even if you're just marching in the military, you're out of step in the marching order, that there's something that is not in alignment with what God wants for you. And maybe you've come in here tonight and your life is unruly. That you know that God wants you to do this with your sex life. You know that God wants you to do this with your, relation, your relational life. You know that God wants you to do this with your finances. You know that God wants you to do this in whatever the area is. And you're just like, you know what? I know that that's the way it's supposed to be done in the Bible, but I'm just going to be a little bit unruly. And the Bible's saying if you've come in here and you're sitting in this seat, that my job as a spiritual leader is to warn you. I've, I've sat down with many young adults. And I've had this conversation over and over and over. I'll just, I'll just pick on this area, this, this, this couple, they were, they were living together. And I just said, hey, man, both of them are Christians. And so they said, I've, I've submitted my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm like, okay. Then, then do you believe that God was intentional with the things that he wrote in his word? Yeah, of course. Okay. So when God says to avoid sexual immorality... How do you reconcile your decision to cohabitate with your significant other and with that teaching in the scripture? Well, man, it's complicated. I I know it's complicated. It always is. And and we didn't intend for this, but I needed a roommate, and so we just moved in. And and what I'm saying to that person in that moment is you're being unruly. And I I don't don't yell at people. (laughs) That's really not my thing. Sometimes I raise my voice up here, but if I'm talking to you, I usually will not yell at you. Unless you really hack me off, okay? I mean, it takes a lot, all right? But typically, I'm just going to say, hey, man, I know you don't want to hear this, but more than likely, this is not going to end well. And if you are unruly in the military, then when you go to war, someone dies. Newsflash, we are at war spiritually. And if you've come in here tonight and you are sitting in this chair, And there's been a time where you were sold out following Jesus, but tonight you've come in here and you are unruly in your life. You're out of step. Man, let me lovingly warn you to get back on the path of faithfully following Jesus. Some of your translations, they they don't say unruly, they say idleness, that you need to warn the idol. I don't know, for me, there's been times in my life where I've been defiantly sinning against God, and there's been times in my life where I've just been kind of idle in my relationship with God. I'm not really doing anything bad, but I'm also not doing anything with my relationship with God. And some of you, you've come in here tonight, and you're not unruly, but you're idle in your faith, and you're growing bored in your Christianity. God wants to use you. He wants you to get back up on your feet and he wants you to follow him and he wants to use you. He don't want you just to come into a space like this and cheer on a guy like me and the people that were singing and that's the version of Christianity that you bought into. That's a poor, watered down version. That's part of it. That's an important part but he wants to use you to go live on mission and to know him and to worship him with your life, not just for an hour and a half on a Tuesday. And so if you're in this chair, let me warn you. Because that's what the Word of God tells us that a spiritual leader does. The second thing that Paul calls the people to do is to comfort the faint-hearted. Comfort the faint-hearted. Some of you have come in here tonight and and you are faint-hearted. And faint-hearted, what it literally means is this. It means that uh, that you're you're small-souled. That there's something that, that inside of you, you, you want to do this thing, but you're, you're just kind of timid and, and you're a little bit scared about what may happen in the outcome of this thing. And God's word says if you've come in here and you're faint-hearted and God is calling you to do something that you know you need to do that's hard and you just don't have the energy to do it, then God's word says as the spiritual leader, they, they comfort you or maybe a better word is they encourage you to take the risk, to do the thing. So that could span a, a number of things. Some of you, you need to break up with somebody. And you're faint-hearted because you're like, but but I don't know if we break up, what will happen, and I've already planned our wedding and I've already got the Pinterest board and I've already got the stuff. I don't know, but you're but God's telling you, and you know it's abundantly clear, but you're just faint-hearted. You're small souled. Others of you, God is telling you. I don't know if you were here last week. We had this young couple up here, and they were saying that they're going to go on the mission field to a really hard place, and like like something inside of you was stirring. You're like, I don't know, I, don't know, I need to do that thing, but what if? What if? What if? What if? What if? And all the thousand questions, and all the hypotheticals, and all the scenarios. You're like, I don't, I don't know. And you just need to take the risk. You need to be obedient. You'll never regret risking something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've come in here and you're sitting in the chair where you're faint-hearted, let me comfort you by encouraging you to do the hard thing that God has called you to do. Paul, he says that you need, to, you need to warn the unruly. You need to comfort the faint-hearted. And then the next group of people, he says that you need to uphold the weak. You need to uphold the weak. And some of you have come in here tonight and this is, this is your reality. This is the chair you're sitting in. This can literally mean that you're sick spiritually that something has transpired in your life. There's a series of events that have unfolded in your life. You're like, man, how did I get here? I'm 28 years old and I'm divorced and, and I didn't ever think that this would happen and, and, and I was betrayed or I betrayed or I don't know and then I relapsed again and I don't know what the, but I'm just so weak spiritually. And oftentimes when you get weak spiritually, sick spiritually, and you come to a place like this, you're like, is somebody, are they going to poke my wounds? Are they going to put salt in my wounds? Are they going to say, see, I told you so, but this, that's not what the word of God tells us. That if that's been your experience, that is counter-biblical. If you've come in here and you're in the, the chair of weakness, spiritual leaders in your life, they're called to uphold you. They're called to help you stay upright. They're called to help you take another step. They're called to help you to get back going. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you were literally sick or that you were, you were down and out and you had to go to physical therapy. And it's like, man, I don't want to go through the pain of having to restore mobility to that appendage. I don't want to do it. But the physical therapist is like, you've got to go through the pain. And that physical therapist is going to say, you're going to have to get back out. You're going to have to try again. You're going to have to do this thing again. And this is what a spiritual leader does. They uphold the weak. And Paul's saying that you've got to warn the unruly. If you're in this chair, you better be warned. You've got to comfort the, fe- you've got to comfort the faint-hearted. You've got to uphold the weak. And the next thing that he says that you got to do is you got to be patient with the difficult. He says in the text that you got to be patient with all. I don't know if you ever read absolutes in the Bible and you're like, patient with all? Like, God, do you know all the difficult people in my life and you need me to be patient with them as well? Like, there, there are people that are difficult in your life just because they're different. Like, like, there's just a different, like, different personality. They're not bad people. They're just like, that person's different. And you're like, when you see them, you're like, skirt. You know, you go the other way, right? And because and, you just don't want to deal with them. And what Paul is saying is if you're going to be a spiritual leader, you've got to be patient with all people. Uh, This is incredibly difficult because we don't progress at the rate that we think we should and that there are people in our life that aren't making the progress at the rate that we think that they should. And I love that the Bible is full of dysfunctional people that were difficult. I love that the Bible doesn't just have a a perfect record of people that just did it all perfect because that's not my story. Like even Jesus' disciples, like Jesus had 12 disciples and then he had three and his three were like his best friends. In Jesus, he was incredibly patient even when his disciples, who weren't progressing at the rate that they should have been, he was incredibly patient with them even when they weren't doing the things that they knew that they were supposed to do. There's a famous story where Jesus is, he's praying at the end of his life. It's the night before he was going to be crucified. He's going to a a garden and he's so so agonized that he's sweating blood drops through his forehead. And he asks his three best friends. Three of his disciples. Hey, could y'all stay here and pray? Y'all pray for me right here. And then he and then said, like, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to pray some alone with just me and God. And He comes back, and you know they had been the Last Supper. They had some turkey and some and some dressing. You know, that tryptophan was rolling, and they were just like snoozing. And then they heard Jesus walk up. <laughs> and Lord, we just asked that you would, you know, like they just turned it on. He's like, you know, Jesus, is like, no, nah, no. Nah. And and he's like, guys, I mean, you imagine. Like, I need, like, I'm about to die, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and y'all are sleeping. Y'all can't even stay awake and pray for your boy. Like, if it, was, if it were me I, and, that, and, and, and my disciple were sitting in this chair, I would take the chair and I would just pitch it out, you know. Like, like, if it were me and, like, I walked up on the three guys I've invested in the most and now they're sleeping, I would have been like, say, God, I'm like, like, we ain't doing this cross thing <laughs> Well, I'm out, you know. But Jesus, he was patient with them even still. And so maybe you've come in here tonight and you're just you're not where you think you ought to be, man. You're 20, you're you're 29 or you're 23 and, and you're like, man, I, I don't know the Bible like I should. God, are you frustrated with me? And 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 listen, God is patient with you. And he's called spiritual leaders to be patient with you as well. Even though you may be in a difficult season. The last category that we find here in, in God's word is is when somebody's doing something wicked. Paul says, man, you've got to render to them goodness even when they've done wicked. You've got to render goodness to the wicked. He says people that are in spiritual leadership positions, they don't pay evil for the evil that has been done to them. Uh, There's a guy that I know, and I respect him so much, and he has a friend that's a missionary. And when you're a missionary, man, you're, you're in a place of spiritual leadership. And so this guy has been a missionary in a place and he befriended a, a, an indigenous person there and man, led him to Christ and they start following Jesus together. And then several months down the road, this guy betrays his missionary friend and actually puts a bounty on this missionary and his family. So this missionary, he has to flee the country so that his family doesn't get murdered and so he doesn't get murdered. Talk about some Persecution. Now, if that's me, I'm praying that God would kill that guy. You know, like, I'm like, I'm done. You know, like, God, would you give him, kill him or give him diarrhea or something? Just mess his life up, you know? Like, that's what I'm praying. My buddy's telling me this story, and he says, yeah, I was talking with, with my friend that, that's having to, be, you know, be stateside. while all of this gets worked out, and, and he gets news that the guy that betrayed him was murdered. Again, if it's me, if, I, if I'm sitting in this chair and, and the guy that put a bounty on my family's head got murdered, I'm thinking, oh, sweet. This worked out good. But this guy who's a spiritual leader began to weep at the, at the demise that somebody he deeply loved, even though this guy betrayed him. Why? Because he understands that if you're a spiritual leader, even though somebody does something evil against you, you're called to repay them with goodness. And so if you're here tonight and you're sitting in this chair and you're like, man, I've done some bad stuff, I've, I've done some wicked things. What's God's response to me? His response to you is to do good towards you. That even while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but When I hear a message like this, like I want to be in this chair, you know, and and I want to be in this chair, but there's been times in my life when I've been in each one of these chairs. And I'm so grateful that the word of God has preserved how spiritual leaders are to respond to people who are in these chairs. Because when I've been in dark places and when I've stumbled in my walk with God and I've been in these chairs, I've been restored by spiritual leaders in my life. That I would not be here today if I was just kicked to the curb. And so, he, like, here, here's the deal. Like, if you're sitting in one of these chairs, if you've stumbled in the dark place, get back up. When my, when my nephew and I, when we were on our way out to the, the place where we were going to hunt, it was pitch black. I'm going mean, it's 530 in the morning. It's dark. It's so dark you can barely see your hand in front of your face. I go to him, and I'm like, hey, hey buddy, hey, can you see me? And he's like, yes, I can see you. I, and I tell him, hey, stay close. Because if we get separated, <laughs> you're going to be lost. You don't stay close. And so we're walking in the dark, because you don't use a flashlight when you're out there. We're walking in the dark into the woods. <laughs> this is scary stuff. And like all of a sudden, I hear some commotion. And my nephew, I've got a backpack on his back, and he's carrying a tripod, and he's stepped in a hole, and he's falling. And he starts saying, oh, dang it, oh, I'm falling. I'm like, shh. Hey, hey, you got to complain on the inside, you know? So, but I, I go to him and listen, when he stumbled and fell, I didn't raise my bow up and fire an arrow at him. Like, how could you fall? You know, I, I didn't berate him. I didn't say like, I can't believe this. And I didn't just like, this is my moment. I, let me just leave him now. No, I rushed to his side. He was in a dark place. He had fallen in a hole. I rushed to his side and I said, hey buddy, you okay? He said, yeah. I said, well, let's get back up so we can get to the place where we're trying to go so that we can accomplish the thing that we're trying to accomplish. And the reason why I share that with you is because many of you are sitting in these chairs here tonight. You're in a dark place. You've stumbled and you've fallen. And many times when you are in that place spiritually, you think God has some sort of wrath cocked and loaded, ready to shoot at you. You think that God has some sort of like, I, how could you? I'm so frustrated. You think that, that maybe you, that God's trying to get away from you. Listen, listen, that's not the heart of God our Father. He wants to to you in that dark place. He wants to help you back on your feet spiritually. And if you've been unruly, He wants to warn you to change your path. If you've been faint-hearted, he wants to encourage you and comfort you to do the hard thing. If you are weak spiritually, he wants to mend what is broken in your life so that you can get back on your feet and do the thing that he's called you to do. If you are difficult, he wants to give you patience and he wants to long suffer with you so that you can make the progress unto maturity that he has dreamed for you ever since you were in the womb. And if you've come in here and you're in a place of wickedness, he wants to do good to you because it's the kindness of God that leads us back to a relationship with him maybe the reason why you're in one of these chairs is because you don't even have a relationship with Christ that maybe the reason why you find yourself in a vicious cycle of you know almost like almost like musical chairs with these is because you don't you never had your life changed by Jesus And one of the greatest things that you could do is step into a right relationship with Christ. The way that you do that is that you admit that you need Jesus. That you've fallen short of his standard. That you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross that he rose from the grave. That he is the Lord of all lords, the king of all kings, and one day he's returning. And you put your faith and trust in him and you confess him as the Lord and savior of your life. Because at the end of the day, we all need to be in this seat when it comes to our relationship with God. And you'll never become who God knit you together in your mother's womb if you don't surrender your life over to him. And I pray that tonight you would do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for this opportunity just to open up your word. God, I pray that we would take it to heart. God, I pray if somebody's here and... And they're a spiritual leader. God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to continue on the path that is that is narrow, that the the path that is less traveled. God, I pray that you would raise up a generation of spiritual leaders. God, that you would give this generation authority. That you'd give them courage and boldness to live out the mission of God and to usher in the kingdom of God. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be spiritual followers. That we would that we would recognize and we would. Encourage, and, and that we would, we would get to know and that we would, we would be submitted to godly leadership in our life. And when we find ourselves in one of these other places, God, I pray that we would heed the warning that comes when we're living unruly. God, I pray that we would receive the comfort that comes when we're faint-hearted. I pray that we would receive the, the salve of healing when we are weak in our spirit. God, I pray that we would embrace the patience that is extended to us and we would relish in the goodness even when we've done wicked. God, that you would help us to get out of a place of darkness, to get out of the hole that maybe we've fallen into, and to get back on our feet so that we can accomplish the mission in which you've created us for. In Christ's name I pray.